there, I'm Jolene McCarthy and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Each week, Two Question Tuesday answers randomly picked questions submitted by our clients. Answering this week's questions, we have with us Bill D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focus Wealth Management, and Mike Pizzani, Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Jolene. Okay, Phil, so we have our first question from Kevin in New York. I've noticed we have zero European exposure in our portfolio. What is the reason behind that? Okay, so we've been uh, light on Europe for quite some time, actually. Uh, we do have emerging market exposure that we've been building up. You know, in a weak dollar environment, like we've seen the dollars are the weakest point in about six months, um, you know, currency uh, is attributable for about 95% of your, your foreign returns. So we are in the emerging markets uh, that has been good uh, year to date, um, but the European markets have been very weak. Uh, this year, they're actually a little bit better, up about uh, 3.7%. Last year, though, they only were up about two and a quarter percent on the Euro stocks 50. So we see the economic headwinds in Europe uh, to be substantial. Uh, if you look at the demographics, they have an older population uh, than certainly the emerging markets or the U.S. So that's a negative, especially, unfortunately, in this COVID environment. Um, I think when you look at uh, the, the the major countries there, I mean, uh, this morning, uh, the UK came out with the worst economic numbers since 1709, uh, which was uh, King George II. Uh, pretty incredible uh, data point. 1709 in Europe was the Great Frost, uh, where all the canals and, and shipping lanes uh, just froze over, and commerce literally came uh, to a halt for about a three-month period. Um, but if you look at the European numbers today, uh, a 10% decline uh, in the UK, um, that, that's a huge contraction, obviously. Uh, in the first quarter, uh, the UK's GDP grew by about 1%, um, but then you had, uh, they expected about, about an 8% decline in 2020, and we've seen actually a 10% decline. So worse than expected uh, numbers, uh, UK is uh, obviously one of Europe's largest economies, so we think there's tough sledding there. I think if you if you look at the euro too versus the dollar year to date, you know, it's at about a buck twenty uh, pound sterling is about uh, one thirty eight today. Uh, so their currencies are quite high. It'll be very tough to export their way out of this. Um, you know, if you're making a decision and you're you're buying aircraft, which no one's really buying aircraft now, so that's probably a bad example, but. You know, you're looking at uh, buying Airbus's dollar twenty, or you're going to buy the equivalent Boeing. Uh, you know, at, at, in a depressed currency. So those are the multinational decisions that kind of lead us to say, hey, Europe uh, is not you know the spot to be right now. Um, I also think, from a policy perspective, because of their you know near zero rate policy uh, for quite some time, uh, you know, uh, they have very little wiggle room uh, to to start the con economy back. Uh, from a monetary or quantitatively easing standpoint, they have invested a lot of money uh, in 5G and uh, really a new green policy going forward. But that's going to take a lot of money. Fiscal stimulus uh, is going to take some time uh, to come into the picture. And then you look at still the you know the problems still going on in Spain, coupled with COVID, the problems in Italy politically, a mess coupled with COVID, even though 
you know, Italy now has a, has a new leader coming in uh, who looks like a real technocrat and uh, was at the chairman of the ECB for quite some time. So we're hopeful there, but very tough spot to invest right now. Uh, that's why we're still uh, mainly in the U.S. and uh, we like the emerging markets because of the growing demographics and because of the way they kind of uh, are shrugging off uh, COVID. So that's our story. Yeah, I think that's a great answer, Phil. And I think that the last part that you said is the most important, right? There, a lot of things that happen in Europe aren't necessarily as coordinated because you have the European Union with one central entity, but all these different countries kind of doing different things. And that's never really been fixed. And it's been a problem since their financial crisis. Um, and what you've seen throughout the globe, specifically in Asia and the U.S., coordinated policy response. Europe can't necessarily do that. And it, the Asian economies really did tackle COVID a lot better than Europe and the United States. So from a investability standpoint, one is way more attractive than the other. Okay, next question, Mike. This is from George in Florida. It caught my attention that Elon Musk bought Bitcoin with Tesla's cash. What do you think about this? So this is a really interesting move, and I think it has a lot of potential for follow through with some other CEOs. And I think that is uh, what's really capturing the attention of a lot of individual investors and Wall Street analysts. So what happened was specifically Tesla invested one and a half billion dollars of cash on its balance sheet and converted it over to Bitcoin. So there's two things that you really have to pay attention to. One is the fact that Tesla's cash balance on its balance sheet as of its most recent reporting period was about $20 billion. So you're not talking, you're only talking about a small percentage of its overall net cash position. So despite the fact that it's a $1.5 billion bet, um, on a percentage basis, it doesn't represent that much of their cash, which is really sitting idle on their balance sheet not doing anything considering what the yield on cash reserves is right now. So they're trying to do a little bit more with their money and try to generate a little bit more. The other thing that you have to remember, by the time you hear that Tesla discloses this, that they're doing it, you know, they probably bought Bitcoin closer to when it was $25,000 per unit. Um, and now it's closer to, uh, it's above 40 now. Um, I think it's closer to 45K right now. If I look it up, uh, 48, really. So it, it, by the time you hear about these things, more often than not, they're doing it from a much lower price. And I've said this in the past a lot. I think over the course of time, you're going to see a shift in terms of how corporate executives manage cash on their balance sheet. And I'm not comparing Tesla to the airlines, but a really good representation is kind of what the airlines did. For a long time, they weren't investable or profitable. And then for the last 10 years, largely they were. And they used a lot of that cash on their balance sheet to buy back stock. And then when they needed that cash throughout the COVID period, it was basically gone. So it could have been, it, it, it could be one of these situations where corporate executives try to do a little bit more with the cash on their balance sheet. Instead of buying back stock, they invested in other things. So just trying to generate more return on cash, which is an idle asset. And Bitcoin is convertible back to cash in the event that you need it. So it's another positive application. And I think it's a decent move. I mean, you have to remember that Bitcoin is a currency slash commodity, maybe. So realistically, the rise in Bitcoin can largely be attributed to the fact that, the, as Phil, you mentioned before with the international investing, the dollar has gone down. It's basically crashed in the last six months relative to other currencies. So 
as the dollar goes down, Bitcoin largely goes up. And a lot of people attribute Bitcoin to this major technological revolution. And maybe there is something behind that. But if it's a currency and the dollar goes down, Bitcoin is going to go up. So that's probably what he's doing there too, hedging some of the cash assets. You know, I, and that that's a great. I, I'm that's that that's a, that's a good summary. Um, what bothers me about this is I am still in the camp that it's a, a little bit of speculation, and I worry about central banks of the world, uh, like India, actually coming out with their own blockchain technology. And then, you know, how does a Bitcoin work in a world, right, where you have central banks utilizing this, um, which does it become, and, and this is a question, I, I don't know the answer, uh, but does this become just a bet? Does it become a bet, a speculative bet uh, with your corporate treasury, uh, similarly to, you know, a prop account that Goldman Sachs is running or Morgan Stanley's running and trading around, um, which, you know, when it works, it works great. But guess what? When it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And so how is the stock price then become correlated to Bitcoin? I, I know, like you said, you know, it might be smaller, but the perception and oftentimes in this business, right, perceptions, reality um, does become a, a somewhat proxy for Bitcoin. And we know when markets correct and whatnot and those things go down, you know, 20 or 30, you know, thousand, uh, which could happen uh, in, in a Bitcoin. Um, where does that leave Tesla's great ideas? How's that strengthen their balance sheet? Um, and, and, and how do you put money to work in a bad environment if you're, you're speculating with it? So I know it's not all the cash. Um, it's an interesting move. You know, it's a new world. Uh, some of those things are, are a little bit above my pay grade. Um, but I, uh, I just worry about the worst case scenario, black swan event. Um, you know, is it, uh, is it highly speculative for, again, a company who's priced uh, almost to perfection. Um, so we'll see. Time will tell. That's a great point about their downside risk. It works until it doesn't, basically. And especially because Bitcoin isn't this asset that only moves like most currencies move a quarter of a percent a day. Bitcoin, like, it can move six to 12 percent overnight. So that's if companies make too big of a bet on that, I think it could be a problem. If, like you said, that black swan event countries decide that they don't want to use this thing and it goes down substantially. It's a great, that's a great elaboration of the risk. You want your corporate treasury to be there when you need it, right? Yeah. Take advantage of downturns to employ capital when no one's got it. I mean, that's, you know, that's the way I've always looked at it. But Yeah. Well, we had some great questions and some really great answers. So if you have a question you'd like to submit to us, email us at McCarthy at focuswealthmgmt.com. Stay safe and we will see you next week.